Before we begin with this morning's scripture reading, if I could remind you or I'd like to invite you to join me during this Lenten season as we read through the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest gospel of the Bible. It's only 16 chapters, but it is filled with information as Mark presents to us who he believes Jesus Christ was and is. I encourage you during this Lenten season to read through the Gospel of Mark. If you were to even read a chapter a day, you could read it in you know, just a couple of weeks. And if you wanted to repeat, uh, you could almost read it three times through the 46 days during the Lenten season. And so I encourage you to join me during this season as we read this Gospel together and study with one another. You'll notice in the bulletin that it says this week we're reading from Mark chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, the passage of Scripture from that that I'll be reading is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I'm sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized, to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River and were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. John wore clothes made of camel's hair. With a leather belt around his waist, he ate locusts and wild honey. He announced, one stronger than I am is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. About that time, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. While he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the Spirit, like a dove, coming down on him. And there was a voice from heaven. You are my Son, whom I dearly love. In you I find happiness. At once the Spirit forced Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for forty days, tempted by Satan. He was among the wild animals and the angels took care of him. After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, announcing God's good news, saying, Now is the time. Here comes God's kingdom. Change your hearts and lives and trust this good news. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Like I mentioned before, this is the season of Lent in which you and I, as we journey through this season and approach Easter Sunday, We'll be reading from the Gospel of Mark for the 40 days of Lent and the six Sundays that we will gather to worship together. I have to admit before I begin with this sermon today that the Gospel of Mark is one that I have not spent a lot of time studying. So I am really looking forward to learning from this important Gospel, which is the shortest, but what I am learning is filled with information about who Jesus is. Before we begin looking at the Scripture, I wanted to talk on this first Sunday of this series a little bit about who Mark was and about the conditions from which this Gospel originated as we ask as well whether or not he was a first-hand witness of Jesus Christ. 
To begin, we have to know the context of Mark, for this gospel came in a time of great crisis for the Christian community of Rome. The emperor of Rome was Nero, a man that many of us can go to history books and read, or we may remember from different history channel and and other things that we've seen. He is an emperor who was remembered for his brashness and for his rashness, and we also remember him because many believe that he was mentally ill. And so it was in the early years of his reign, Nero ignored this growing sect called Christians in Rome. But that all changed in the fire of 64 AD. When everything changed, as the majority of Rome's districts were burned by fire, either significantly damaged or burned altogether, Post-fire, Nero was accused as having ordered the fires to be set in order to conduct a, a building plan that he had wanted to do, especially in the suspicious nature of how there was one fire in one area that would be put out, and then the next day or later, another fire in another area that had not previously been burned would be found lit and burning. And so in an attempt to distract his accusers, Nero hunted for someone to blame, another group that in many ways would be easy for others to look at and say, oh yes, it was them. And so he settled on a group that was already questioned. They were already distrusted due to their unusual worship practices. Celebrating this thing called communion in which they ate the body and blood of their founder. Their unwillingness to be a part of the pagan worship and practices. He chose the Christians of Rome. Accusing them of setting the fires as they were rounded up, imprisoned. Some of them were tortured. And many experienced the martyr's death as they faced wild beasts in the arena. See, this was the environment that biblical scholars pretty much agreed that the Gospel of Mark was written in. Sometime between 60 and 70 A.D., Mark put pen to paper, if you will, and recorded this pastoral response to reach to the Christians of Rome who were finding out firsthand what it meant to be persecuted for one's faith much like Jesus himself was persecuted for his message of faith. And so in the context of suffering and of martyrdom, Mark's task was to project this Christian faith to these Christians who were under attack so that they could have and find and receive a message of hope in this time of great uncertainty. You know, this is a message that that you and I can read, and we can read in these times. Because people are searching for things to place their hope and trust in. People are looking and seeing and thinking and feeling like they are in uncertain times. Mark's gospel speaks to that. And he presents to us a gospel in which he offers to us Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as the one in whom we can place our hope. The authorship of Mark's Gospel is attributed to a man named John Mark, who we read about in the book of Acts. In Acts 13, verse 5, it says that John Mark went with Paul and Barnabas as a subordinate helper on their missionary journey until they got to Pamphyla, where for whatever reason, we don't know, 
John Mark left the two apostles and returned to Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 15, after the council of Jerusalem, where Peter and Paul and all of the other apostles gathered to talk about the message and this Christian faith that they were passing on, and where they gathered to discuss whether the Christian faith was just for the Jews or to the Gentiles as well, Paul invites Barnabas to go with him to revisit the cities of their first journey where they had started churches together. But they had a dispute. Barnabas wanted to allow his young cousin, John Mark, to accompany them. But Acts 15, verse 38 says, Paul did not think it wise to take him with them because he deserted them in Pamphyla. It was over John Mark that Paul and Barnabas split in their missionary journey. Barnabas took John Mark with him to Cyprus. And that's all we hear of Barnabas after that. Paul chose Silas, who accompanied him to Syria, and we continue to follow the ministry of Paul through the book of Acts and the letters that we read. Last tradition, and Scripture associates John Mark at some point leaving the journey with Barnabas and becoming the traveling companion of the Apostle Peter. This is the same Peter that Jesus said, On you I will build my church. This is the same Peter that was called on the shores of the Sea of Galilee by Jesus to follow him. This is the same Peter that denied Jesus three times on the night that he was betrayed. John Mark became his traveling companion and spent time with him, especially in that time that Peter was in Rome before he was martyred himself for those years that he was in Rome sharing the gospel message, that he faced imprisonment and persecution himself. As early as 140 A.D., just 140 years after the death of Jesus, just 70 to 80 years after uh, the gospel of Mark is attributed to have been written, the earliest church fathers agreed that Mark's gospel was written by the John Mark we read about in Acts the one who became the traveling companion of Peter, who was close to Peter, because in 1 Peter 5, verse 13, Peter refers to Mark as my son. And in 2 Peter 1, verse 15, Peter writes that after his death, every effort will be made to recall these things. Not only is John Mark Peter's traveling companion, John Mark has now been charged with recording what he remembers that Peter has told him about his time with Jesus. He's been charged with recording the miracles that were performed, the teachings of Jesus. So Mark's gospel, if we're going to ask if it's apostolic or if it's a first-hand witness, we can consider it that because Mark is recording and is sharing Peter's account of the life and ministry And what makes Mark's gospel unique, even the emotion of Jesus as he interacted, as he taught, as he visited with the disciples, the Pharisees, and even the crowds. Mark's gospel is filled with these first-hand accounts as he shares the story of Jesus and as he shares the reaction of Jesus and the emotion of Jesus as Jesus interacted with those who either loved him, who questioned him, or who challenged him. See, we have to know the context 
of Mark's gospel in order to fully understand the urgency in which Mark, in which Mark is, is presenting this gospel. He's writing to a community of faith that, that is being challenged, they're being persecuted, and they need a message of hope. And they need affirmation that the one that they are following, the one that they are professing to follow, was indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. Because it's in these conditions that Mark begins this gospel. He's there in Rome. They're experiencing persecution. At some point he starts writing or maybe Peter just is martyred and Mark leaves and writes it all down. But either way, it's under these conditions that Mark begins the gospel and leaps feet first, if you will, into telling of the good news of Jesus Christ Mark doesn't, doesn't waste any time. Doesn't try to, to, um, just, he doesn't try to, to emphasize the story except Jesus. And so there's no accounting of the lineage of Jesus. That's in Matthew or Luke. There's no birth narrative. There's no angels visiting Mary or Joseph. There's no shepherds, no stable, no manger, no journey, no Herod, no anything. He just begins by saying, This is the good news. The good news of the Messiah. God's Son. And then in his urgency, he immediately goes to the desert where it says, out of the desert, out of the wilderness, a shout comes. And John the Baptist comes bursting forth, arriving, announcing a baptism of repentance to forgive sins. All of Judea went to John to be baptized. And as they did, John told them another would be coming who would baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Again, in his urgency, Mark immediately has Jesus then coming from Nazareth in Galilee to find John to be baptized. The baptism occurs. John is not given the opportunity in Mark's gospel to tell Jesus that he is unworthy to baptize him or anything else. He just goes. He's baptized. The heavens open. A dove descends. And Jesus hears the word of the Lord saying, You are my son. I take delight in you. And then the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness. And it's in the wilderness where he's tempted by Satan. It's in the wilderness where Jesus was surrounded by wild animals. It's in the wilderness that Mark writes he was cared cared for by angels. It was in the wilderness that Jesus went. So I want to pause there this morning. Because the baptism of Jesus and his time in the wilderness are connected. One One has prepared him for the other. The baptism of Jesus prepared him for his time that he was going to spend in the wilderness, just as our baptism prepares us for the times in our lives that we may be in the wilderness ourselves. It doesn't matter whether you are baptized as an infant or as a child or as an adult. What this scripture is telling us is that our baptism prepares us for whatever experiences that we're going to have later where we might feel like we are in the wilderness. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized with water for forgiveness of sins, even as one who was sinless. He prepared and he received the Spirit, the same Spirit that was about to drive him into the wilderness where he would be tempted. Mark doesn't offer a lot 
on what happened to Jesus in the wilderness. Besides saying that he was tempted by Satan, and besides saying that the angels cared for him and he was surrounded by wild animals. But see, it's in the wilderness that Jesus demonstrates what it means to trust in God. And for a community that was facing persecution, that that they themselves were about to face wild beasts, what a message and vision of hope that they could believe in the One who died on the cross and who offered them life, but who He Himself had to trust in God that He would be delivered from the wilderness that He was in, just like they themselves were in the wilderness for the faith that they professed. It was in this wilderness that Jesus demonstrated what it meant to trust in God. Our baptisms have prepared us for this time in the wilderness. Our wilderness doesn't have to be being driven into the barren desert like Jesus. It doesn't have to be going to some far remote place. It can just be feeling distant from God. It could just be feeling distant from other people or just wondering what's next. Our wilderness could be anything. Anything that doesn't help us to grow closer to God. Because in Jesus' experiences in the wilderness, God shows us that it's in our wilderness experience that we can learn to depend on Him. And it's through our baptism that that we receive the Holy Spirit, the same one that Jesus received when He was baptized by John in the River Jordan. For us, it's the Spirit that guides us. It's the Spirit that directs us. It's the Spirit that encourages us. And when you're in the wilderness, when I'm in the wilderness, it's the Spirit that reminds us that we're not alone that God is there. And that if we place our hope and trust in Him, we can get through that wilderness time. And in doing so, we can learn to trust in God in a new and different way, in a way that helps us grow in our ability to place our hope and our trust in the God who gives us life. See, what we can take from this Scripture is that our wilderness times are not the times that we're without God. But perhaps they're the times that we can learn to grow in our ability to trust God in an even greater way. They're not times that we're absent from God, but they're times that that we can increase in our ability to look to God. So as we come from the wilderness, we're equipped and prepared to do what's next as Jesus was. Our wilderness experiences are times in which we have to remember that we're not alone. No matter where our wilderness is, no matter what our wilderness is, what this story shows us today is that God's Spirit is with us. We're not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen.